Hi, this is Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach, and I'm so excited for you to hear from Ashley Cornwell on this new episode of our podcast. She's a rising star in the football coaching community, recent AFCA speaker, just an incredible young young woman on fire for the Lord, loves football, loves young people, so I can't wait for you to hear from her, so let's jump right into it. Thanks for joining me today, Ashley. Thanks for having me on. You bet. So I like to start this out just some background information. So if you don't mind, just give the listeners a glimpse of of who you are, where you grew up, a little bit about your family growing up, and you know, and where you are today. Sure. So um, I was born and raised in Wisconsin. Um, I'm about located two hours west of our capital, which is in Madison. And I grew up with a a twin brother, and we played all kinds of sports. Um, the one unique thing. I know I'll probably get into it, but I didn't grow up in a um, household that went to church or had an established faith. So my dad's side of the family was Catholic um, and my mom's side, they just said they were Protestant. Um, but I never grew up going to going to church on Sunday. Um, but just into like everything that's happened since my childhood, I went to the University of Wisconsin. Um, that's where I started coaching football um, at Division One level. That was my first taste of D1 football. I've had uh, two NFL internships, one with the Titans, one with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, and then currently I'm the offensive line coach for the NFL International Player Pathway Program, which we have down in Florida. So I've done that. Um, this is going to be my second year participating in that. And I was just completed my first year coaching um, my own room as the lead coach at Oberlin. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much pretty much it. Yeah, so you talked about you didn't grow up in a family of faith or your family identified with faith, right? So at what point did you then discover it and kind of own it as your, as your own faith and that relationship with Jesus? Yeah, and this is where Wisconsin has been like probably the most pivotal place I've ever worked. Um, so kind of like the first conversations that I had with somebody was with um, Gary Brown, who he he's passed away, but he was a running back coach at Wisconsin. That was his last coaching um, opportunity. And he didn't really talk about it more than what he, he was just an example of it. That was actually the biggest impact, um, with somebody that I've ever met. Um, he was going through like a bunch of cancer treatments, um, making some very difficult life decisions for anybody, but you couldn't really tell just based on how he carried himself, how he treated everybody. And it always, it always went back to God. Oh, I'm here because I'm God. I'm doing this because of God. And that was significant for me. So when I lost him, um, we all lost him. I think it was in April. Um, it was kind of like, oh, like, uh, that was kind of like a huge presence that we didn't have. We used to have a teen chaplain, but then he passed away too. So didn't really have like a religious, I guess, like figure at Wisconsin anymore. Like everybody, you know, had their own faith and all that. And then our new offensive coordinator, Bobby Ingram came in. And I think like within his first two weeks, he was like, you should attend, um, my virtual, church, which is in Baltimore, like he zoomed in and I started zooming in. And that's when I started my walk with Christ. Um, and then believe it or not, this past year, November, um, when I wrapped up my position at Oberlin, I drove down to Louisiana and I did get baptized, um, at my best friend's church. And that oh my gosh, that is solidified so awesome. it. And yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty new to everything. Uh, like I said, 2021 was probably when, you know, that was when Bobby came in and I got introduced to everything, but everything's actually been pretty recent, um, with like all the big decisions when it comes to my faith. That's, that's so 
so incredible to hear because, you know, I grew up in the South, the Bible Belt, so everybody went to church. Mm -hmm. Um, Not everybody lived like it, but, you know, you grew up in that. Um, And also, you know, hearing your story is a reminder of the impact that especially, I mean, since this is a sports podcast, the the impact of a coach, and it's not just on players, it's on on fellow coaches, right? And it's not always what we say, but it's, it's an everyday lifestyle. That's awesome. So how did you, I got to ask, so you said you started coaching as a student at Wisconsin. How did you, how did you get into that? I mean, what drew you to want to be coaching a football? football? Yeah. Um, so like I said, I had a twin brother and our town was pretty small. So everything was co-ed. So I was always used to playing with boys and with girls and we did every single sport that like you can name softball, basketball, volleyball, karate, football. And I got my first taste of football with flag football. And when the, the I was five, four, when I entered high school and I've haven't grown since, and I was trying to figure out a way, I always knew I wanted to coach. And I knew, you know, like my love for football was just so much stronger than my love for anything else. And the way that I could see myself happily contributing to the game was through coaching. And that made sense to me because that's just how like my mind works. I, it challenged football challenged me mentally and physically. It gave me so many friends and so many life lessons. Um, so just having that opportunity, you know, to, I can't physically do it anymore, but mentally I can do it and I can coach. That's, that's how I got into it. And I, I was very, it, it was, it was insane. It was, um, when I transitioned from playing to coaching, I remember I was going to see my chiropractor in a town over and I thought like my football career was over with. And I remember I, I did pray. I said, God, if I'm meant to do football, please give me a sign. And during that chiropractor appointment, he actually connected with me, connected me with a few football coaches that got me started with coaching. It was just oh, wow. crazy how it all worked. That is. So how does a young woman navigate a male dominant sport and you know walk you know tear down some walls to to walk through these doors to 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 coach offensive line especially right we think of offensive line coaches as the you know just the real tough guys right so how do you as a as a young woman navigate that um this is where people look at me crazy and if you know this business you know how cutthroat it is Mm -hmm. I have had so many people when I have been in the building tell me this isn't the place for you. I don't think this is a good thing for you to do, or I'm not too sure about you being here. And then it's, I always go back though. I give them grace and I just keep going. Like for me, this isn't hard because I know it's my purpose. Um, And I would just encourage people. This is like, outside of football, outside of anything like that. But like when you meet people who are, you know, maybe doubtful of you or negative towards what you're doing, the the most impactful thing that I've ever done is just show up the next day and not pretend that it didn't happen, but give them grace to be like, okay, it's a new day. It's a new start. I don't get offended in the moment when I hear that. And I just, I move on and I keep going. And those individuals who have maybe started out with that perspective are now like my biggest advocates and the and the people who are pushing for me to get jobs and to keep coaching. But that's really how I navigate it. Like I, I don't, you know, take mine to any, you know, doubts that some people may have. And then next up, it's just serving others. Like I, that's my purpose. I'm here to coach football. I'm here to serve the players. 
Um, so I just show up like a coach. I just do what a normal football coach does. And I get respect from the players by showing that they're my priority uh, for the team. They're my priority. The coaches that I work with, they're my priority. And then I just, I gain their trust through knowledge and through making sure that I'm always there in case they make a mistake, I'm there to help them up. That's awesome. And and you recently had the opportunity, and that's kind of how I think of how, how we connected. You you got on the quote unquote the big stage at AFCA and were able yeah. to talk. You know, talk about that as a as a young, again, a young, a young, a young woman presenting to people that the room is full of people that I'm sure have years of experience over you. So so just talk about that, that opportunity. And I can only imagine what that's done for those coming behind you, right? You know, yeah. tearing down some walls for other other folks that are trying to get in a profession just like you. So, you know, yeah. just kind of give us a little glimpse of that. Again, it it, it I it was luck. It was a blessing. I uh, I interviewed for for the opportunity, and I was lucky enough to get it. Um, and when I first walked in the room, I didn't know it was going to be that big. Uh, it was a pretty big room. I thought it was just going to be pretty small with like one whiteboard and like a little pull down thing with the projector. Um, so that was really humbling. When I got up on the stage, I wasn't really nervous. I think I was just more excited to just start talking football, like kind of just like a finally I get to talk football in front of my peers and just get to share what I've learned. Um, mm-hmm. The reason why I've been at this age to keep up at such a high level is because I've had so many opportunities to work at a high level. So any way I can give that back, especially I know the room was full of like high school coaches, uh, lower division, uh, college football coaches. Mm-hmm. So like any opportunity I get to to give back and to share what I learned, one that helps me become a better coach, but then two, it's just, it's just a way to give back because somebody helped me get to where I was. Somebody helped me learn that. So anytime I can share that knowledge, that's always exciting. And yeah, I mean, it just, I, I feel like it just normalized it. Like me being up there and I'm just talking ball. Um, I think it, it just helped people see, like, don't judge somebody based on how they look, like give them a chance, hear them out, see how good of a coach they are. Uh, like I always say, like, don't take an opportunity away from me because I'm a woman, but don't hire me because I'm one either. Mm. Hire me because I'm a good coach and I'm a good person. Like look at, you know, the overall individual you're talking to, not just what you see right in front of you. Yeah, that's that's good, you know, because a lot of people, I'm sure, would want to hire so they can check the box or they can get some clicks on social media because they hired a young woman to coach, right? But I like that perspective. You know, don't don't hire me because I'm a woman, but you know, just give me give me the opportunity. That's good. How do you manage or guardrails maybe in place with social media because social media in the coaching world is it's it's big right that's how people network and connect but it's all also can be a, a negative place too right so how do you how do you protect yourself or how do you deal with those people that that may come at you um, with the wrong intentions right like I haven't had like too many negative interactions on social media. Um, like I'm trying to, cause I'm trying to use it as a place. I don't know. Like if you go to my Instagram, um, you'll see like every, almost every picture should have like a Bible verse in the caption. Mm. Cause I am sharing pictures of like, you know, my football journey and all the people that I've met and all the people that I've coached with or I've coached. Um, but I'm always trying to, you know, spread the word. Um, but like, I haven't had too many, 
negative interactions. And I also think that just has to do with like how much and what I'm sharing, like going back to, I try to share the word and all that, but I try to stay pretty low key and only share things like, you know, very blessed to have the opportunity at the AFCA sharing that just acknowledging people and putting out positive, like positive Mm -hmm. energy onto social media. I think you, you will attract more or less like what you're giving back out. And I'm always just diligent about the circles and the communities that I interact with. Again, I'm interacting with players. I'm interacting with coaches. Um, and I try to stay away from things that one don't fit my walk with Christ, but then two, like it's not contributing to my purpose. That's good. You know, I think we all, we all got to have those guardrails because I mean, I believe social media, it gets a bad rap. You know, we beat it up a lot, you know, both inside the church and in the news media that it's, it's horrible. It's killing our generate the younger generation, this and that it's not all wrong, but also there's a lot of good that if we just use it, it's like anything else. You, you can use it for good or use it for bad. Right. right. And unfortunately in the sports world, so many people use it for bad. Yes. Um, especially you know, like by I, personal attacks. Cause it's easy to go, you know, I was watching, um, you know, this weekend watching the NFL playoffs and the number of attacks on players and coaches for bad decisions, bad plays from fans and not nice at all. It's like these people are human too. I've always like to, I've been considering it when I get to a point, cause I'm, I'm a college football coach right now. Like I can, I can say that I coach college football. I use Twitter to recruit players, right? Like that's absolutely. That is also the, the, my Twitter account is mainly for recruiting and connecting with other coaches. And then from the coaching perspective though, like it's hard to see people that I know in the industry trending for something bad, or they just got fired. Like that's very hard to see. And like, that's when I mute certain words. I like, no offense. Like if you just got fired, I probably just muted your last name because it's hard for me to see that and feedback that I see. Um, But then with that too, I've gotten to the point where it's like, if I ever get to a point where I don't need Twitter to recruit, I will delete it. Um, Mm. Just because I think after that, it doesn't really, it's not serving me a purpose to do my job anymore. But I would agree, like, there have been some very, you know, just awful things that are said. But I would, and that's the one trick I learned, though, is muting certain words or, you know, maybe muting individuals that you don't follow, but some people keep reposting that you just don't want to see a kid that you coached, you know, get flamed. Like when I was at Wisconsin, like that's probably where I saw a lot of the players that I worked with mm. uh, facing some difficult stuff on social media and our head coach, you know, he was really good about uh, coach. Chris was really good about, you know, removing yourself from that, you know, whether that's deleting the app in season, which I normally delete my social media in season or, mm. you know, just lim- putting time limits on your phone. But that's where kids and it sounds ironic coming from someone my age, but kids these days, they, I think they get introduced to social media too quick and then they build mm. their self worth on it. And I was in the generation where social media was kind of high school, you know, and a middle school, high school. And I think a lot of these kids are getting introduced to it, like, you know, elementary, middle school. Um, and it just has me reflecting on when I become a parent, what am I going to do with my kids? Because it's, it can be a pretty rough place to be if you don't know how to handle it. As a parent of a 20-year-old and twins that are 17, it's it's not easy. No. You know, because we, you know, you you say, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do that. And then, you know, certain 
social media things are, are used for athletic teams are using for group messaging. Right. And so it's like, well, dad, I'm the only one that doesn't have it, you know? And so it's like, Ooh, well then it becomes, I'm on the, you know, and so it's, it is, it's difficult to navigate, but, but you're right. People are introduced to it at a younger age and it gets, that's where we find identity. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think even coaches fall into the trap of, Oh, I've got 10,000 followers and that becomes identity. And we forget that our our identity is in Christ and coaching is what we do or football yes. is what I play, but that's, that's not who platform. I am. Right. Yeah. To spread the word. But it's very dangerous. Yes. So, you know, I just always when... enjoy that conversation because yeah. um, usually people I interview on here, we, we've all connected a lot of times through social media. Social so media. And we all agree that it is good, but there's a lot of, a lot of um a lot of negative that that comes with it so and nil in my opinion has made it just a little bit you know harder to detach yourself from social media because now you're making money off of sponsorships and mm. that's where it gets a little bit trickier specifically with college athletes and letting them know like your worth isn't is definitely not found in that in my opinion oh yeah because that's temporary right you're only a college athlete four or five years Right. So what are you going to do after? You're right. Yeah, that's good. So being a coach is, can be demanding. Um, (laughs) So how do you balance or find the rhythms of life to ensure that you, you have life outside of football, you know, whether it's um, friends, family, you know, growing spiritually, how do you balance that? Right. That's still something, um, I'm getting better at, um, especially at this age, like I kind of have a mindset um, where now is the time for me to, to bust my tail um, just because I'm, I'm 22 and this is the time where I should be taking advantage of the opportunities and those entry level roles that are a little bit more time consuming. Um, but what I've done and what started to help me out is really just planning out um, like my day, my week, like writing things down, having a to-do list. And in that to-do list, I... I get very particular about, I have two things that are not football related that are supposed to just help me like help engage my mind. And one of that Mm. is American sign language, which I'm briefly starting, but it's like, I have to do six lessons a month. Right. Um, And then the second thing is piano lessons. I don't own a piano, but I'm still trying to teach myself how to play piano and I have to do two lessons a month. And then in season it goes down, I split in half. So it's four and one. And then I have a, a, list of people that I need to call and and be on a call or be on FaceTime with that I have to do at least once a month. So it's kind of like, I just, I really plan it out to the point where it's like, it's in front of me. I know what I need to do. And then in re- in regards to church, it changes in and out of season. Right. But um, I'm, I'm in a position where it's like, I have to virtually attend church. Um, so it's just like, that's kind of a benefit though, for a coach because if I have a staff meeting at 10, I can go back to church when I find more time in the afternoon at like two or three and partake in church. And even though it's not ideal, obviously in person and having that fellowship with people is that's one of the best feelings I've ever felt. Um, I'm still making time and setting time aside to worship um, and to partake in what I need to partake in. But um, yeah, the, the one thing I found out is, is literally writing it down, especially when you get in a season, you're going to forget, you know, like what you need to do. And 
your time is so limited. You're so busy that just understanding what I need to get done, what I haven't done yet. That's helped me out. So if I can ask you this, so did I totally get the, the, um, virtual church and that's a debate that's all another discussion right you know there's lots of different opinions on it and i think that i think there's a place for it Mm -hmm. um but so how do you stay connected with like community is with other believers that's uh that's a good question um one it's the people that i work with um Mm -hmm. i'm very open about the fact that why i identify i say i'm a christ follower i follow Christ. Like I'm very particular about saying Christ and not saying, you know, anything else. I'm a follower of Christ. People know who who I, you know, who my Lord and Savior is as Jesus Christ. And that opens the conversation immediately. Like you get people who, who are also followers of Christ. They'll say, Hey, I am too. And then that's something I bond over them with. And those are the people that, you know, I call a lot, right? Cause I travel so much. I can't be face to face with mm. a whole lot of people. So I'm using my phone a lot to connect with other believers, but in person or like when I'm on a team, a lot of that is players who also believe, uh, my coaches who believe. And then we always have conversations throughout to d- throughout the day. I remember when I did an internship with one of the NFL teams, I was trying to bake, break a very bad habit and I'm still working on it. Obviously when you're in sports, you learn a lot of swear words and they're awesome to use right in the heat of the moment, but it's not the best thing for you to use. And uh, they had a team chaplain who would make me anytime he heard me swear. Okay. You got to um, hear the Bible verse. You need to study and you need to come back tomorrow and you need to do kind of like a mini devotional with me on it. So it's like, that's always good, but you always find community, especially with football teams are so big. You always find community. Right. That's good. Yeah. I just always just curious in the coaching world because so much of your time is spent. There's just it's just a big demand on it, and so you know, just staying connected to to other believers is is how we grow. So the higher good. the higher of the level, the more resources they have. Like I know a lot of teams bring in chaplains and and ministers, and you know they'll have you know communion for Catholics, you know, uh, you know different different things so everybody can practice. The best thing though that I found is like if I'm happy with a church that I found, which I am, it's really important for me to stay with that church and to listen mm. weekly with that church. And it's no disrespect to any team that's providing a service. It's just um, I got to partake in communion. Actually, uh, that's my belief um, with my church. So that's important that I'm partaking in that weekly. And I have a I have um, brother Tim. He's a what a lot of people say is like the minister, we call him brother, brother Tim. He's the one that I trust to do that with. So that's somebody that I, I just make sure that I put myself in that situation where I'm always attending that church. And I know a lot of coaches, if they feel a certain kind of way or that they have a family church, um, they try to set aside time to attend that virtually. That's good. Yeah. So is there a, you know, being a relatively new follower of Christ, um, is there a Bible verse that is kind of like the one you cling to, or is there one recently that, you know, reading the Bible, you've come across that God just kind of hit you over the head with? I mean, okay, so it's one, when I got my first um, official Bible from what I say is, she's not my 
official grandma, but she feels like it. And she wrote in um, Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Um, in all thy ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct you. So that was something that it was crazy because when she gave me my first Bible, it was recently after I was baptized and coaching industry is brutal. Um, I was starting to hear, right? Like if you're in the business, you hear about changes before they hit Twitter, before they hit the news. Mm -hmm. So it was just, it was a stressful time because I knew stuff was coming. Um, and I was also in a position where I was like, I'm going to be looking and going through the hiring process, um, especially as a young coach, I don't think young coaches or just older coaches talk about it enough. Like it's really, really hard. Um, there's a lot of, I know plenty of coaches right now who are still going through the hiring process, the, the mental health. I'm not trying to sound soft at all because I, I do believe like we got to have these conversations as coaches. Um, you get very stressed out, you get isolated, right? Cause you're stressed about how am I going to provide for myself and my family and all that. And when she gave me that Bible, I was going through kind of that moment where I was like, I don't know what to do. And it's my favorite because I know how everybody's always like, um, don't forget about God during the good times. But I do think it's still an issue where people, you might remember God during the good times, but when the bad times hit, you try to control the situation and you forget about God sometimes during the bad times too. Or you kind of go a little frustrated with God. So I like that verse specifically now in my life, um, just because it's reminding me that during the bad times or during a time where I don't have an answer and clearly you're never in control. Right. But when I don't have an answer, it's just a trust in God and to not, you know, see the world through my own lens, but through God's lens. And I'm using well, football so again as more examples, but that's, yeah, that's, those are the examples well, I come from. Yeah. So it's so true though, because we as humans, whether we're in a good situation or bad situation, our initial reaction is to try to control it. Right. And that's usually when things go south is when we try to control it. But, you know, if we just easier said than done, you know, as the Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust the Lord, lean not on my on Stuart's understanding. Um, his ways are always better than mine. I know that, but I have a hard time trusting him in certain situations because I, I have to control it. And that's, it's so it's just, yeah, it's difficult. It doesn't get easier. Um, I've been a Christian a little bit longer than you. I don't, yeah. I don't clearly have it figured out at all. Oh yeah, um, me neither. And that's one of the things I struggle with still today. And I've been a believer since I was 15 and, you know, had ups and downs, but that's the hardest thing is both the good, the, successes and the and the struggles is is control and right. i just think that's a human a human struggle um because we want to control it and a lot of times god will put us in situations where we finally have to realize that i can't so that's good and the, no, I, you know the yeah. sooner you learn that the better yes and i think it even players too i think they can they should relate to that like if you're regardless of what level you're playing at, if, you know, if you're not getting playing time or you're in a situation where it's like, you feel like you're not controlling the narrative. It's just realizing that there is only so much you can control, but a lot of that anxiety and stress, and I'm not trying to be insensitive to anybody, but a lot of that is just, if you sit back and put your faith in God, that he's got it and it's under control. 
I found that a lot of my stress and anxiety kind of goes away the more that I sit back and study that verse and really just apply it to my life. That's huge. You said the word apply. A lot of times we yes. read it and just just like everything else, we just keep scrolling. But if we sit back and apply. truly let that become that and many other verses, who we are and you know, a part of who what we what we do and how we how we react to things, then things do go a little bit. Now it doesn't mean we're not gonna have issues. We all, you know, the Bible doesn't say anywhere that life is gonna be easy. Right. It's not um, <laughs> we just have some help along the way, right? No doubt. That's good. Well, I appreciate you responding to my random message and being You're willing good. to be on here. And it's always yeah. fun to to hear different stories because I just yeah. think personal stories are powerful. Um, and I think it's fun to hear stories of someone who's been a believer two years. Yeah. Or the people that have been believers 30 years. So, you know, we can learn a lot from, no from everybody. So, so I appreciate it. Yeah. And also, I've always like... Um, again, just having a platform to talk about God in my walks always, that's a blessing in of itself. And I think it's a good thing that kind of my background, right? Like I didn't grow up in what I would say was like a faith based mm-hmm. household. Like we didn't attend church, but just showing people like everyone's path and walk with Jesus is different. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Like it's okay to not come from a family with that background, but to start your journey, like it's okay. And it might be a little nerve wracking at first, but um, you're always going to be surrounded by good people, in my opinion. Um, and it is okay, you know, because the the most important thing is you started the journey, right? Right, and now God has given you a huge platform, and He's saying, "Just trust me," right? Mm-hmm. And so now you have a platform to tell people that there's plenty of people in this world that don't grow up in that, right, right. and they get to college and and most folks don't turn to Jesus and and you were in a situation where you were able to. So I think your story resonates with a lot of a lot of people and it also encourages those in the coaching world that are older, been, you know, following Jesus for for much longer. It gives them encouragement to to continue and to not give up. It really does. It does. And even when you, actions, even when you get tired and think maybe it doesn't. Yes. Actions always speak louder than words. Like I always go back to, we call him GB, but coach Brown, like I said, like his actions were more of a testimony than anything he probably could have ever said to me. And just how he lived his life was. That's was awesome. awesome. Yeah. That's incredible. Well, thank you again. It's no been problem. fun. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Thank you again to Ashley for taking time to share her story and just encourage me and hopefully encourage you. And um, so just wish her nothing but the best in, in her journey to to make a difference in the coaching world as a young woman. Just such an inspiration. Um, and I hope you enjoyed listening. I hope you were encouraged. I hope you'll share this episode with somebody. And, and I ask you, if you're not a subscriber, whatever platform you're listening through, just subscribe. Um, we always say we'd love to hear from you. So go to our website, www.allinsportsoutreach.org or social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just type in All In Sports Outreach in the search bar. You'll find us. You'll see who we are, why we do what we do, opportunities to pray, to serve, and to give. We really appreciate your prayers, your continued support and encouragement. Thank you.